Welcome back to the show that tells you. You are a quantum computer with free will, waking up to the reality that the universe is fundamentally information. My name is Justin Riddle, and this is episode 36 of the Quantum Consciousness series. In today's episode, we'll be discussing the simulation hypothesis, the idea that we are living inside of a digital computer designed by hyperintelligent beings. But how does this theory gel with quantum mechanics and the coming revolution of quantum computation? By the end of today's episode, we'll ask the question, is simulation theory drawn out of a digital computer-based metaphysics, and will this be updated once we have updated our metaphysics to reflect quantum computation? This episode is available on YouTube, and an audio-only version is available on Spotify and Apple Podcast. If you like what you hear today, then please like this video, subscribe to this channel, leave a comment below, or for the audio listener, write a review. Join me inside the mystery of numbers. Come and huff a metaphysical Zero concepts become objects and then become quantum. Join us for an episode of Quantum Consciousness. All right, let's get started. So the outline for today is I'm going to first give some of the basics of simulation theory and why I think simulation theory does not embrace the principles of quantum mechanics, measurement, superposition, um, concepts like this. Second, I will be going into this principle of universal quantum simulation, which seems relevant for simulation theory and will discuss how quantum computers have the capacity to simulate each other and to what degree they can do that. Next, we will speculate on mathematics and truth and how simulation theory is fundamentally a rejection of universal truth and so, or it kind of pushes, you know, the, the bar further back um, and doesn't quite address this question of fundamental truth. Um, next, we will talk about the no-cloning theorem of quantum mechanics, which essentially says that any quantum system is not able to be simulated in some principles, while in other principles it is able to be simulated, which seems to come to bear on this idea that we're living in a simulation. Next, I will be talking about a common hallucination or a common epiphany that occurs while under the influence of psychedelic drugs that you are in a simulation and what this might mean kind of culturally or experientially to believe in a simulation hypothesis. Um, and then I will end by speculating on my excitement that we are grappling with the simulation hypothesis at a cultural level and how this probably is a wake up to the next level of metaphysics, if you will. Um, but I think we have many more iterations of epiphanies to go through. Um, and so I really think simulation hypothesis is sort of an, an early reckoning with uh, information technology and information theory. Alrighty. So first up, we'll talk about what is simulation hypothesis. And basically, this is the idea that we are living in a false reality. We are living in a mechanized world where everything that you see and think and experience is artificial and constructed 
and there's some sort of beings that have designed everything around us and we are sort of along for this video game ride that we're playing um, but it is fundamentally not real and missing the mark at being fundamental reality um, and so this you know makes us think of the movie the matrix where neo wakes up and he realizes he is in this computer simulation and I think a, a core question here is what do we mean by a simulation? And I think that it is almost taken implicitly that this is a digital computer simulation. Prepping for this video, I watched a interview between Nick Bostrom and Lex Friedman. And after asking Nick Bostrom to define a, you know, the simulation hypothesis, um, Lex asked him, does this require quantum mechanics and will quantum computers play a role in simulation theory or simulation hypothesis? And Nick Bostrom basically is a bit uh, dumbfounded, in my opinion, um, stumbles a bit and says, well, yeah, maybe quantum mechanics and quantum computation gives us a speed up to our simulation. But essentially, this is a non-quantum mechanical theory and it really is based in determinism, first order logic, and sort of this mechanistic progression of reality. So what do I mean by that? Well, I've covered this in previous episodes, so go check those out. But essentially, in digital computation, you have a progression of A to B to C. If this, then that. This is true. This is false. There's these algorithms, these truth tables, which tell you, if you see this, generate that. And so everything is deterministic and planned. And with a certain set of inputs and a certain algorithm, you will always get the same output. And so core to simulation hypothesis is this idea that you do not have free will. Everything is predetermined. Nothing matters intrinsically. Everything is sort of this algorithm mechanistically churning everything out. Um, and really, a huge part of the quantum consciousness series has been to advocate for free will, for the existence of the self, for the idea that there is something meaningful going on in this reality. And I think simulation hypothesis is a natural outcropping of living in a physicalist deterministic system that does not engage with the principles of quantum mechanics and doesn't um, sort of imaginatively explore next generations of information processing. So kind of going back to that initial question, simulation hypothesis really means a digital computer simulation because all the tenets, all the implications that we think about with simulation theory really only work if you don't have free will, everything's kind of predetermined and controlled, and if we lived in a world that was fundamentally quantum mechanical, where you have superpositions evolving, collapsing in this sort of chaotic, non-deterministic fashion, it sort of breaks down the controllability of the simulation and then a lot of the yeah implications of simulation theory sort of fall apart. Um, so I think fundamentally simulation hypothesis comes out of a deterministic 
digital computer framing and is not grappling critically with quantum mechanics. And, you know, part of my, you know, shtick in this show is that it's so easy just to go in and add quantum mechanics and think about quantum computation in these different contexts because strangely, I think this is just sort of a information gap where people aren't really engaging with quantum mechanics fundamentally and we get lost in this deterministic physicalist way of thinking which is very much you know mainstream science right now all right so i'm going to briefly cover a few of these quantum principles and you can check out um, episode three which covers these different quantum mechanical principles but essentially we have quantum mechanical systems we can imagine these as quantum computers and they have a um, wave function, a probability distribution, which evolves through time. And there is a different set of physical states that it could occupy. And as we evolve through time, we go into a probability of being here, being there, being in this collection of physical states versus this other. And you go into superposition. Then you get collapsed, you become one of these physical states, then you evolve again from that uh, time point. And essentially, quantum computers have this sort of dualistic character where they're in this superposition bubble, evolving, and then becoming measured, becoming digitized, and then evolving once again. And so as we move into our second topic for today, which is universal quantum simulation, let's first think about digital computer simulation. So for digital computers, I mentioned this a little bit previously, but if you have the same inputs and the same algorithm, you always get the same output, right? So input plus deterministic algorithm equals the same output. This is a universal Turing machine, and essentially digital computers are able to simulate other digital computers. And so when we think about simulation hypothesis, if we lived in a digital computer world entirely, where all of physical reality was digital computation, then you could recreate every aspect of reality within a digital computer. Hence, simulation hypothesis is fundamentally possible. However, there's uh, another question here. Can a quantum computer simulate another quantum system or another quantum computer? And there's kind of two answers to this. One answer is yes, there's a principle of universal quantum simulation. So just as you can prepare a quantum computer in an initial state and then let it evolve, this will recreate the probability distribution of another quantum computer. So if you prepare all of your quantum bits into the same physical state, and then you allow that quantum system to evolve. It goes through the same logical, you know, these quantum logic gates, these certain transformations you can apply to the quantum computer, to that quantum system. You let it evolve through those quantum logic gates, through that quantum circuit. The output is the same as another quantum computer that went through that same system, okay? So in a way, Yes, you can simulate the probability distribution between different quantum computers, different quantum systems can simulate each other. There's a few caveats here. Um, one caveat is that once you measure the quantum system, 
you reduce it, it becomes a physical state, you destroy that probability distribution. And so two different systems, even though they're simulating each other, when you measure them, you're gonna get different outputs potentially. Um, and then from that point, they then evolve again. And so you really have to do repeated experimentation to derive what that probability distribution looks like. So you prepare the quantum system over and over and over and through repeated measurements over many different um, iterations, you can generate and derive what that probability distribution was. However, in practice, if you had a large enough system and they're all running simultaneously and there's all these different systems you're trying to simulate, the output is gonna be non-deterministic. There's this chaotic element and so even though you can prepare the system and the distribution's the same, the second it gets measured, now you have a totally unique different system that is now evolving from that point, right? So very quickly you have this exploding exponential space of all possible measurements that could occur. And even though the distribution is being generated, very quickly the systems diverge fundamentally from each other. And after a few measurements, they're unrecognizably alike from each other. And so there's a massively reduced controllability in this simulation. And the simulation is really only applicable in this brief window while the superposition is evolving if all the initial states are the same. And after a few measurement cycles and a few evolution cycles, you're way off base and your two systems are completely divergent from each other and there's likely not much correspondence between them. And so from a, I am a master super being trying to design the matrix to control you, um, there's a highly limited capacity for control. And so even if I could prepare you in this fake simulation world, it would very quickly diverge and it's unlikely that you'd be able to control it in any sort of meaningful way. And so when we think about, you know, am I stuck in a simulation and all my memories are false and everything's predetermined, uh, after a few measurements, after a few thought trains, um, you've suddenly diverged from the creator hyper-intelligent beings and then is that really the same thing as, as simulation theory that we typically think about? Um, okay, a few more comments on universal quantum simulation. So the other thing here is that in a digital computer simulation, we might imagine that if you're sitting in a room, we will just render the room around you. And then when you open the door, the simulation renders the hallway and you walk out into your backyard and the simulation renders your backyard, right? It can kind of save on computational time by only rendering what is in your immediate surrounding. And maybe there's a couple compression algorithms it could run, you know, if your wall is just pretty simple, it just kind of repeats a pattern or something like that. But in universal quantum simulation, the size of your quantum computer needs to be equal to the thing that you are simulating. So in quantum systems, at least to our current understanding, there is not a meaningful compression algorithm between the simulated and the simulator, right? So these two things are equal in size, scale, magnitude, right? 
So what does that mean if I'm a hyper-intelligent being? If I want to create a fake universe and run a bunch of fake humans inside of the universe, my simulation needs to be as big as the universe. Or let's say we're simulating the planet. You would have to simulate the entire planet at scale of a planet, right? So there are no shortcuts that you can run. So I think implicit in simulation theory is that, you know, we're kind of in a little box and it's just a small hard drive on the computer of a hyper, you know, on the desk of a hyper intelligent being. So we're in this little box, hyper intelligent being is up there programming away at us in the little box. However, in quantum mechanics with universal quantum simulation, the box would have to be the size of the entire universe. Right. And then the being would presumably also be drawn at scale within its own universe. So you don't have this sort of re spatiotemporal scaling principle that seems to be a part of simulation theory. Right. Where you're inside a box, inside of a box, inside of a box, inside of a box. And we're all in like these infinite regression of smaller simulation boxes on people's desktops. Right. Here, the quantum simulation needs to be at scale. Hence, you know, it'd have to be like an adjacent universe and then you're still limited by the periodic table of elements and you're probably still also at a similar scale as we are. So anyways, maybe there's some angle there that's theoretically possible, but we do need to take into account universal quantum simulation and this fundamental um, sort of scale-to-scale mapping right um one more aside just to give you a little scientific context so one application of universal quantum simulation is for pharmaceuticals so you could take a molecule and it interacts with a protein and you're curious how the molecule and the protein are going to interact well in a digital computer because of all these physics forces governing all these atoms and the these orbitals and all this like very you know, macroscopic stuff going on in the protein and in the molecule, these resonance patterns, um, it becomes prohibitively computationally complex to simulate even a molecule-molecule interaction, let alone molecule-protein interaction. However, in a quantum computer, we could in principle simulate a molecule interacting with a protein and the quantum simulation would be at scale with a molecule and a protein, which is pretty small and potentially very feasible. So with quantum simulation, we will probably be able to uncover a lot more information about molecular interactions, protein-protein interactions, all of this really interesting stuff to biologists and to um, us developing novel medicines and, and novel ways of understanding the human body. So great, amazing applications here, super interesting. There's a lot of work being done on quantum simulation when it comes to simulating simple systems that we really can't do classically or digitally. So a huge boon in technology here. But once it comes to scaling up to the entire universe or entire planets, um, yeah, we need to start grappling with this one-to-one -one ratio. All right, point number three. So point number three is within this physicalist paradigm, and I've harped on this a lot, but there's this idea that everything is arbitrary, nothing matters, life is pointless, you are meaningless, nothing is intrinsically of any value. 
because everything is arbitrary. And at the core of reality, there's just a bunch of deterministic things crashing into each other, a world of billiard balls smacking around, and we chaotically emerge from this primordial soup of chaos, and nothing matters, right? Um, however, I've been advocating for and pushing you know, my audience to think about this what is mathematics? What is universal truth? Could there be something deeper, more meaningful going on? The concept of a square seems to transcend you or me or any sort of physical instantiation of a square. The square is an idea and there appears to be an idea space, a world of mathematical forms like Plato suggested that there's concepts, there's meaningful constructs, and this is essentially a non-physical level to our reality. Um, Roger Penrose says that we have a physical world of this digital computational chaotic forces, there's the world of our minds and consciousness, and then there's a world of mathematics, of forms of meaning, things that go beyond any individual. So what does this mean for simulation theory? I think that with the digital simulation, intrinsically, life is meaningless. There's no purpose to anything. And so people are sort of clawing at meaning by saying, well, maybe we're living in a simulation created by these hyper-intelligent beings. And so that is sort of a religious concept. Core to the simulation hypothesis is this idea of God of a creator, some divine beings. And sure, it's like stripping the divinity away from those beings, but it's still suggesting that there's some sort of higher evolution, some future form of uh, a super intelligence that's able to create these massive universes at scale. And I think that gives people a sense of purpose or meaning. It kind of taps into this religious idea of a creator. And so, you know, maybe this isn't how everyone feels, but I think there is some impulse within us to look for some sort of bigger context that we're embedded within, some sort of deeper meaning to why we're here and what's going on. And so is simulation hypothesis sort of getting at these fundamental religious concepts of why are we here? What is going on? Is there an intelligent design behind the universe, behind a creator? And in a way, I think this is cool that people are grappling with these questions. And I think that religion and science can learn from each other a lot. And I think science is going to be running into these same fundamental questions. Is there meaning? Is there some sort of bigger context going on, something something more meaningful happening behind the scenes. Are you real? Is there a soul or some notion of a self in this physical body? You know, so I think I think we do need to ask these questions and start thinking about this. And I wonder if simulation theory is getting at the idea of creator, but it's kind of pushing the goalpost one step back, you know? And I, I've seen this a little bit in the alien community where it's like, how did humans evolve on the planet? Well, aliens planted the seeds of humanity on the planet. And it's like, okay, but then who created the aliens or how did the aliens evolve, right? So, you know, by kind of 
kicking the can down the road, we haven't addressed the fundamental mystery here, which is why are we here? What's going on? What's the point of all this? And I think simulation theory is intrinsically asking these deep philosophical questions of why are we here? But it's kind of kicking the can down the road and saying, well, the super intelligent beings have to tell us why we're here because we're just in this random simulation and they made everything up. So we got to go ask them why we're here and why all this stuff is going on. But I think that this is a little bit of like a mind trick that we're playing on ourselves to some degree. And I think we can just ask the question, why are we here? What's going on right now? And we don't need to postulate this whole simulation nested layer of simulators within simulators. Um, you can just ask the question, why are we here right now? Um, and if there is platonic meaning, if there is universal truth, if there's some world of mathematics, I think that is where we need to look for these answers. You know, Plato called this the logos, the rationale, the, the meaning, the governing principles behind our universe. And that was sort of the form of the good. It was it was a type of God-like creator force um, within a you know scientific-esque framework. Um, and and I think we can we can ask these questions without postulating hyperintelligent beings. All right, moving along here. Uh, point number four is the no cloning theorem of quantum mechanics. So how does this mesh with what I just told you about universal quantum simulation? So in universal quantum simulation, if you have the same quantum circuit board and you have the same initial starting state of your quantum bits, you can then simulate the same probability distribution across multiple quantum computers. So when we have quantum computers in our homes, this is how they will mostly work. We will prepare them. Well, we won't really be knowing exactly all this, but some computer scientist somewhere will be setting this up in your in your hardware. You set up your quantum computers in an initial state. They evolve. The probability distributions match. So you and I can both run quantum algorithms in a similar fashion as each other. Of course, once they get measured, they're chaotically uh, having different outputs. But there is another principle of quantum mechanics that I have not talked about much this episode, which is entanglement. So entanglement is a non-local, somewhat atemporal connection between different quantum systems. So if I have two qubits, quantum bits, and I prepare them such that their probability distribution is mixed, where if I were to measure either one of them, I'm essentially disrupting that probability distribution. Then I move those two particles away from each other in space. Now when I measure one of these quantum bits over here, it's going to have a non-local impact on the other quantum bit over in this other spatial location, right? So essentially what this means is that you can have quantum systems that are non-locally interacting, where if you do something to one, it sort of influences the quantum system over here. And for the most part, when you measure these systems, it disrupts this connection. However, it seems to be, 
And this is going into the aspects of quantum computation that seems to really go beyond digital computation, that quantum computers have sort of a history of entanglement relationships where this system is embedded in the universe in this location in space and time and it is uniquely present at that spatial temporal location right and so what you have is that every quantum system kind of has like a blockchain of memory of where it was what it's doing and I imagine this as sort of an entanglement web. When you take a universal look at a single system, you'll see that there's this web of intricate interactions and relationships with different systems that goes beyond itself. And this acts as a sort of fingerprint for that specific wave function. And what you can do in a quantum computer is that you can leverage that for cryptography. So cryptography, quantum cryptography, is the encryption of a signal against um, hackers, against other people being able to decode or know what is being transmitted in the signal. So in the future, your passwords, your data, will likely be quantum encrypted, where what we do is you assign a password which is literally a quantum system. Your password is the unique wave function of that quantum system. And then in order to unlock your account or decode your data, you need to be in possession of that specific quantum system in order to unlock your database, right? And this is only possible because of the no cloning theorem in quantum mechanics. Okay, so what that means is that while we have universal quantum simulation, you can generate probability distributions that look like other probability distributions. They're always going to be slightly off from each other at this very small level, this kind of level of precision where it falls apart where there's gonna be slight pushes in different directions based on this complex network of entanglement relationships. And that allows you to use any quantum system. One, you could use it in a simulator. Or two, you could use it as a key for a password, right? You can leverage this no cloning theorem where you could never take that quantum system with all of its entanglements and generate another quantum system that is identical to it, right? So there's something non-clonable about quantum systems, period, fundamentally. And yes, we will leverage that in next generation information technology, right? These are things that go beyond digital computers. So what does that mean for the simulation hypothesis, right? If you are a digital computer, a physical system, then you can be 100% cloned and recreated to the side of you, right? If you are just a series of physical interactions, then we can recreate those in principle. However, if you are a quantum system, 
then you cannot be in principle cloned because we will never be able to generate all those entanglement relations that are specific to you. We could create a probability distribution that resembles you, but it will not be precise. And all of this is sort of within the assumption, let's assume that you are a quantum computer, your mind is a quantum computer, you're embedded in this biology, therefore you have a wave function that is you, right? If that is you, then you cannot be cloned in principle, right? If you are just a digital computer, then you can't be cloned. Okay, so coming back to the simulation hypothesis, the best you could do is have something that is very similar to you, but maybe there is an uncanny valley. Maybe this is like all this AI art where we could create a quantum probability distribution that resembles your mind and resembles you, but something is slightly off, right? It doesn't quite have the entanglement re uh, relationships. It doesn't quite have that essence of you, that imperfection that is you. Um, and maybe that's important, maybe not. Maybe your mind is a quantum computer and you're just getting simulated and we could approximate it and that is functionally for all practical purposes you. Maybe it is not able to be you because of this no cloning theorem. So I don't definitively know, you know what the answer is here, but I think it's important to think about this. This is a theorem that's uniquely in quantum mechanics, not present in digital computation. And it does kind of throw a wrench in the perfect simulation hypothesis. You could only ever have an approximate quantum simulator. You could not have a perfect quantum simulator. All right, point number five. Where is this simulation hypothesis coming from? And being someone who is a enthusiast of the, you know, recreational and safe use of psychedelics in our society, I have seen a couple people who have maybe taken a bit much and have this really profound experience of truly believing that they have woken up in a simulation, right? They have the full-on matrix experience where they go, oh my God, everything is fake. I was just created in this moment all of my life's history, the memories I have of growing up, the memories I have of last week, these are all fake. They've all just been implanted into my mind in this moment. And this moment is the first real moment that I've ever had. Everything else has been a lie and a false creation, right? And this is a terrifying experience. This is an absolutely horrifying thing to have a realization about and I know people who have fully gone into this reality where they really think that everything is fake nothing is real they're looking around them they go I recognize that person as a friend from my memory but that person is an imposter that person is not real they are a simulation my friend would never say that you know, oh, they just said this to me. My friend would say something different. This has to be an imposter because everything around me is fake. So, okay, we're talking about simulation hypothesis in this metaphysical sense. Is it real? Is it not real? What does this mean for digital computers, quantum computers? But I think an important thing to keep in mind is that this is a phenomenal experience that people have. 
You know, you could go talk to someone who's had this experience and there are people living among us who believe this, who really truly believe this. And this is sort of a symptom of psychosis, um, something that happens very frequently with symptoms of uh, schizophrenia, right? This is a dissociation disorder or a dissociative feeling that people have. And after having a psychedelic experience where you really believe you're in a simulation, a lot of people are left with this disassociation, which can be really debilitating and pretty scary. So, you know, everything with caution, uh, make sure if you're doing something that it's that it's you're in a good place and you're kind of in a safe um, presence, a safe uh, mental framework when you're going into these experiences because this is truly horrifying. And I think something really fundamental is going on here that kind of underlies the simulation, like horrific experience, right? And I think what this is, is that so many people are going through their lives and we identify with the narrative of our lives. We think, I am this person I've done this thing, yesterday happened, then the next day happened, and you start to identify with that narrative of yourself. I'm not saying that's wrong, but we are in the present moment at all times, and it's really weird that we're in the present moment right now, right? It is very bizarre, and I think part of psychedelics is waking up to the fact that the present is always happening, and you're in the present right now, and this is real, um, and that is kind of scary to a lot of people. And I think it's it's sort of a normal epiphany, a wake-up call that people have. Um, and so if you were living your life identifying with this narrative, in a way you are identifying with a construct, with a sort of simulation, right? There is an information construct for who you are, for your identity, for your history, and in this moment, we're present, we're real, we're thinking about things, and we're thinking about that information construct that is our identity. And so it's weird to come to grips with the very nature of information that composes our minds and our world. And when you're in the present moment and those filters break down, that history, that narrative access breaks down, and you're thrust into the moment, you could create the idea that all of that information that you have about yourself is fake, right? It's almost like a de-identification with the information construct that is your history and your identity. And I think this is sort of a, a good thing to undergo on some level, uh, but it can also be horrifying and super bizarre if, if you're not ready for some of those epiphanies to take place. So anyways, just want to leave you with a bit of this, this musing about, you know, simulation hypothesis is a very present experience, you know? And whether or not we believe in the, the truthiness or the, the falsiness of simulation hypothesis, it is a phenomenology in and of itself. Um, and that needs to be explained, you know? So I, I often like to say, you know, whether or not you believe consciousness is real, 
you'd still need to describe why we believe that we have consciousness, right? So in a similar manner, even if you don't believe in simulation hypothesis, you need to explain why someone would have the illusion that they are in a simulation. And I think it's that we live in a digital, physical reality, internally constructed. However, you are a quantum computer in this moment, collapsing, evolving, having this dynamic experience. And that realization that everything that you identify with is physical information, data held in the brain or data accessed in the body. And that in this moment you're happening and that construct of information could be false, could be deleted. Um, and that to me is the simulation uh, within us. All right, final musings, which we will end with. Why is simulation hypothesis in our mainstream culture right now? I think that simulation hypothesis is in the culture because we are coming to grips with the physical world as information, not as billiard balls and little Legos built up on top of each other, right? Fundamentally, the physical world is information, it is data, it is digital computation, it's the ability to binarize, to digitize, to discretize the universe into information, into binary code. And I think that we're starting to recognize that the metaphysical description of the world as billiard balls of forces, of atoms, kind of built up on top of each other, is falling apart and giving way to a metaphysics that's fundamentally based on information technology and information processing, okay? As we've moved from the engineering era of, of mechanics, we had these old models of the mind and of our lives, of the physical world, as a machine built up through the forces of physics, we're now transitioned into digital computation, right? Our newest technology that's really serving us right now. And as we update from a machine world into a information world, simulation hypothesis, other ideas of yourself as information start to take the stage, right? So simulation hypothesis posits that everything that you experience could just be information, could just be data. And that's really compelling in a world where digital computers define the basic metaphysics of reality, right? Next up is the quantum revolution. Quantum computers are here. They're happening. Quantum biology is happening. We're going to get a next generation technological boost, but it's not a boost in that we're going to speed up digital computation, but we're also going to augment digital computation with a paradigm shift of entirely new technologies, entirely new metaphysics, and entirely new ways of thinking about ourselves. And so I think what simulation hypothesis implies is that our metaphysics lags behind our um, technology. That simulation hypothesis is a recognition of information tech Quantum computation will occur very shortly, and then we will have a metaphysical recognition of that next stage of technology in our futures. 
I think Quantum Consciousness, this series, is trying to get a little bit ahead of the curve and think about what it means to be a quantum computer, to live in a world of superposition and entanglement and of measurement as sort of the digitization of the world around us. Um, so let me know what you think out there and I'll leave you with that. Are we in a simulation? Is there more going on? What does this mean for humanity? And I think it's just so exciting that people are starting to think more about metaphysics and our place in the universe. So talk to you again real soon.